0: I'm going to invite you all, if you'd like, to um, maybe scoot forward a little or move your bodies around a little. Um, One of the things I'm hoping that we'll do this morning break some cups, no, Um, is have some wondering time. Um, How many of you were here last week? Um, so if you were here last week, you learned a little bit about Wondering Time. How many of you have ever helped out in Godly Play or sat in on Godly Play? So you, you know a little bit about Wondering Time. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll do that. But, but I, I'm hoping that when we do that, maybe you'll, you know, feel free to talk to somebody you haven't talked to before. So if you're sitting next to your life partner, perhaps, um, you might feel emboldened to sit next to someone else during the wondering time. Um, But you can come forward if you want, or you can stay where you are. Nobody's moving, so I'm not going to push it. Um. (laughs) So we've been talking about the parables. Um, Last week, we started our new series, which we'll be going through for about five more weeks, this week included, talking about the parables of Jesus. And then in the fall, we're going to talk about the practices of discipleship and what it means to be disciples. And so one of the things that we know is that the parables also talk a little bit about the practices of discipleship. But uh, it's significantly more confusing about what they mean most of the time. Um, so I, when I was thinking about the parables... This quote came to mind, um, and before the, it's right before the table of context in, contents in her book um, called Inspired, which, little plug, Peter and Kevin will be reading, I think, with Anna in the fall. So if anybody's interested, it's a lovely book. <laughs> um, but this, this quote is at the beginning of it. Um, it's from Chaim Potok's story called Devita's Harp. And it's a story about a girl who is prevented from winning an award simply because of her gender. And so the narrator asks, did he believe that God wrote stories with only one kind of meaning? It seemed to me that a story that had only one kind of meaning was not very interesting or worth remembering at all. So this is an invitation to hear today's parable, parables, I should say, I'll be reading a couple, um, with different kinds of meaning, and we'll engage what that meaning might be a little bit. So we know, uh, what we know about the Gospels, the good news, is that the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of Man, or in our translation today, the Human One, has been sent to establish God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, amen? Amen? Amen. This is done though not through power, might, violence, conquest, or revenge, but this is done through humility, through patience, through faithfulness, sacrifice, and unconditional love. The stories in the gospel are all stories that point to this good news in one way or another, and our work. Is to discern how these stories point to the good news of Jesus. So in godly play, I didn't bring a box, but um, in godly play, when we, when we tell stories, we usually have items, physical things that help us make sense. This is what all of our kids get to experience and learn in a really lovely way. Um, and the parable stories come in boxes. Who knows what color those boxes are? Haven? Gold. Jonathan, what do you know about gold? It's rich. rich. Yes, it's rich. People who are rich have gold. Gold is valuable. It's expensive. And so the idea is that maybe a parable is valuable, like gold. Maybe a parable is rich. I like that, Jonathan. And then... What else about the parable boxes do we know? What comes in boxes? Gifts. Gifts Gifts come in, not not gifts, the the little things that move in our phone, but gifts. It's hard to say. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, one of the things that we remember is that parables are gifts. And one of the things we say in Godly Play that this parable is yours. This parable is a gift for you. And this parable was given to you even before you were born. Which is amazing. How many of us knew we had gifts before we were born? Not this girl. What else? Ooh. We knock on the boxes. We knock on the lids. And we say, sometimes, or always, (laughs) parables have lids on them. Uh, And sometimes, When we go to open them, we might take the lid off and see what's inside. And even if we're super ready for it, it just might not open to us. And so today, if you hear this parable, a couple parables, and they're not opening up to you, that's okay. (laughs) Just come back to them again and again and again. And maybe sit next to somebody else next time in like five years when we go through this parable again. (laughs) And maybe it'll open up in a different way. That's a joke. You can do it at home. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Anything else? Yeah, just the importance of returning to them over and over and over again. Last week, Tiff and Ben did a great job of showing us how this is done. And if you're ever interested in, like, what happens in godly play, you could just ask Tiffany or Ben to sit in maybe on Young Children in Worship or Godly Play when they're doing the parable stories. Um, And I'm sure they would love to have you maybe one adult at a time so there aren't too many giants in the room. Um, But it's a really special way of engaging God's stories in Scripture and the good news of Jesus. So the background of this story... um, One of the things we do in parables is you pull the stuff out of the box and you say, what do, what do we have here? You wonder about it. And then you say, what do we need to begin? And sometimes you just begin. So the background of this story is actually two other parables that happened before it. <laughs> so I'm just going to read those. So get your bodies ready for listening. If you need to close your eyes, close them. If you need to open your eyes and set up really straight, you can do that. Um, and if you fall asleep, that's OK. No one will judge you here. <laughs> So once there was someone who said such amazing things and did such wonderful things that people had to follow him. And as they followed him, he talked a lot about this kingdom. And when he talked about this kingdom, people asked him about what is the kingdom. Not yet. <laughs> so he said, But nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the heavenly angels and not the sun. Only the Father knows. As it was in the time of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the human one. In those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. They didn't know what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. The coming of the human one will be like that. At that time, there will be two men in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, stay alert. You don't know what day the Lord is coming, but you understand that if the head of the house knew at what time the thief would come, he would keep alert, and he wouldn't allow the thief to break into his house. Therefore, you should be prepared, because the human one will come at a time you don't know. Who then are the faithful and wise servants whom their master puts in charge of giving food at the right time to those who live in his house? Happy are those servants whom the master finds fulfilling their responsibility when he comes home. I assure you that he will put them in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the bad servants should say to themselves, my master won't come until later. And suppose they began to beat their fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunks. The master of those servants will come on a day when they are not expecting him at a time they could not predict. And he will cut them in pieces and put them in a place with the hypocrites. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. And at that time... The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 young bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Now five of them were wise, and the other five were foolish. The foolish one took their lamps, but did not bring oil for them. But the wise one took their lamps and also brought containers of oil. When the groom was late in coming, they all became drowsy and went to sleep. But at midnight, there was a cry. Look! The groom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But the foolish bridesmaid said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil, because our lamps have gone out. But the wise bridesmaid replied, no, because if we share with you, there won't be enough for our lamps and yours. We have an idea go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the groom came. Those who were ready went with him into the wedding. Then the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore... Keep alert, because you do not know the day or the hour. The word of the Lord. And so, as you see, there are some pictures behind you. Um, I'll read through that last one again in a minute, and maybe you can look at the pictures again. But this parable um, is a strange one. (laughs) Anybody think like, yeah, that sounds all right? I don't think so. I mean, that's cool if you do. There's no, no, no judgment here. But it's confusing, um, and you're thinking, well, that doesn't. I don't know if that sounds like a kingdom I'm very interested in. Uh, around the time of Jesus, a bride would probably like these are like older ladies, but <laughs> most of them, a bride probably would have been about 13 or 14. Anybody in here, 13 or 14? A few of you feeling ready? <laughs> Me neither. That's right. Sometimes they would even have been younger than that. And so this parable um, is also referred to as the wise and foolish maidens, sometimes the ten virgins. But mostly it's important to remember that these bridesmaids are girls who are still living at home with their parents and other family members. Um, And they are under the wisdom of their parents. (laughs) And under the guise of their parents. And so all of their resources are their parents' resources, and all of the things that they have awareness of are things that they've learned from their families. So it's important to remember that they are not alone in the choices that they've made. So I'm gonna go ahead and read it one more time so you can listen to the story about the bridesmaids and look at the images. Just go through them slowly because it'll, it's kind of, yeah. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 young bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were wise. Five of them were foolish. The foolish ones took their lamps, but didn't bring oil for them. The wise ones took their lamps and brought containers of oil. When the groom was late in coming, they all became drowsy and went to sleep. But at midnight, there was a cry, look, the groom, Come out and meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But the foolish bridesmaids said to the the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps have gone out. The bridesmaids replied, no, because if we share with you, there won't be enough for our lamps and yours. We have an idea. You go to those who sell and buy oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone out to buy oil, the groom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding. Then the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. And then Jesus said, therefore, keep alert, because you don't know the day or the hour. So there are some wondering questions that we have for us today, we'll try to have a little time for you all to talk about it. Um, I have the questions up here. I'm going to take it over. Um, I I like this one, because one has a lamp and one doesn't. I'm just totally putting that out there. (laughs) Um, So the questions that you can discuss amongst yourselves for a few minutes are, I wonder if the bridesmaids had names. These are like super godly play-wondering questions. So if you're thinking like, I don't know how to wonder about that, that's okay. Just pick a question that feels good for you. I wonder what the lamps could be. I wonder what the oil could really be. I wonder what the wedding could really be. And I wonder if you've ever been invited to a wedding like this. Feel free to break up into some small groups and talk amongst yourselves for a few minutes. I'm gonna bring you guys back just so we can talk a little bit more about it. Is there is there anything that stood out to you or that you're feeling comfortable sharing with the group? Carla? Why are there there ten bridesmaids? That is also a good question. Some people say that, uh, I don't. I was gonna look this up but I didn't have time, in um, Kabbalah, the uh, sort of Jewish mysticism practices, they recognize that each number has a specific meaning and so this has both five and 10. So maybe I'll look that up and then let you know later. I know that it probably has something to do with perfection since they equal, you know, they're two of the same and there's balances and I don't know, anybody? Study Jewish mysticism here. <laughs> well, I'll ask a friend who does and let uh, you know. My question is, is this symbolic, or is this a cultural practice? Like, we do multiple life things. I don't know. It's a good question. It's a good question. I know I wondered the same question. One of my wondering questions was going to be, "I wonder who the bride is?" Some of the pictures are confusing. They make it look like like uh, maybe like maybe one of these people is a bride. or um, there's one like this one, I think the lady in white, like maybe she's a bride. This is a weird image, by the way, you know, in case you didn't get that. Um, those, those medieval artists were really into the idea of who was in and who was out. Um, yeah, we don't actually know who the bride is in any of them, which is interesting. I wonder who the bride could be. What were other questions that came up? Or or thoughts, answers? I didn't like it. I never liked the fact that uh, the ones with the oil didn't share (laughs) the same tone. Yeah. Everybody hear that? Deborah didn't like that the ones with the oil didn't share. I don't like it either. Maybe the oil shop was really close. Maybe it wasn't that big of a deal to go to the oil shop. It's a good, yeah. I also wonder why, like, they can't just share the lamp. Like, they don't have to send them to get oil, but, like, can two people use one lamp? Can't two people use one lamp? I wondered about that, too, and that's why I like this image, because there's one gal who has a lamp and another one who doesn't, and maybe there's enough light for both of them. Hmm. What else? Hmm. Like how much of yourself can you keep? And like, if you haven't, if you rush into something, and then in return you're asking to like, well, help me now, and there isn't like, it's a self thing, hmm. which oftentimes we don't think about that in the Bible, like boundaries. Yeah. A lot about that too. Did you guys hear Kristen? She said, "Yeah, maybe the oil is yourself. And what if the oil is what we give to people and what we've prepared for? Um, so if you haven't prepared, <laughs> then it's really hard, and you might need something from someone else." Kai? Uh, what is go inside? Huh? Oh, you wonder what it is to go inside? I wonder why didn't, you wait inside? Why didn't you just wait inside? Right? Why didn't they just go with the other ones and go inside instead of? Waiting, like buying the oil. Right? Yeah, why didn't they wait inside the wedding? Because, because they're bridesmaids. This is the thing. They were all already in the wedding. They were all already invited to the wedding, and then they left. And I think that's something that is an interesting word for us. Whatever we know about this parable or don't know about this parable this morning, is that it is a parable about the way the world is. Something will always go wrong. The unexpected will always come about. When I hear about, so this is Matthew 25, 1 through 13. So I know that I have been trained, especially in the last few years, that when I hear Matthew 25, the parable of the ten maidens is not what comes to mind. Anybody? Is that what you think of when you hear Matthew 25? What do you think of? What do <laughs> the great commission no that's 28 close though the beatitudes no that's five the least of these yeah good work though because i'm not i'm not it matthew. Yeah, it's matthew I know. <laughs> matthew 20 and 5 so there's this whole movement right called matthew 25 that our church kind of participates in with the whole immigration thing and that whole thing um so Matthew 25 is, is sort of the final parable, and it's we forget it's a parable sometimes. We hear it and we think, yes, the sheep and the goats, because I'm an animal. I'm not an animal. Right, right. So Jesus says, now the human one will come in his majesty, and all the angels are with him. And he will sit on his majestic throne and all the nations will be gathered in front of him and he will separate them from each other just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. This is Matthew 25:31, 31, following. Um, he will put the sheep on his right side, but the goats he will put on his left. I did that backwards. Jesus, the, the son of man, is not dyslexic. <laughs> then the king will say, maybe they are. Then the king will say to those on his right, "Come, you who will receive good things from my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you from before the world began. It's a gift that's ready for you before you were born." I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. These people were busy. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, I love that they don't recognize it. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did you see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that what you have done for the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you have done for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Get away from me, you who will receive terrible things. Go to the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they're confused, because they probably did all those things specifically for Jesus. They'll reply, Lord, when did we see you? Hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't do anything to help you? Then he will answer, I assure you, when you haven't done it for one of the least of these, you haven't done it for me and they will go away into punishment, but the righteous ones will go into eternal life." The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These parables, I think, go together. There's something about being prepared, and there's something about knowing who we've served. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I don't propose to. Um, Because right after this story, we have more stories, not parables, that are equally confusing when you read them in light of the parables. There's a woman who lavishly anoints Jesus' feet with oil. And people say she's wasting this oil that's very expensive, it's worth a lot. Hey, kids, come in and sit down. Okay. Thank you. She anoints his feet with oil. And everybody complains about her being ready (laughs) and being prepared. And then um, we have the betrayal of Jesus by Judas. Judas has given Jesus up to the authorities. But, But the people, Jesus' friends, don't know that yet. And then finally we have the Last Supper. We have Jesus' arrest, his trial and persecution, his death and his burial where his body is anointed with oil. What I like about the parables is that they're, they're wondering questions in themselves, not about things that have happened, and not about the way things have to be but they're things that encourage us to seek the good news of Jesus in ways that we might not have imagined another way. So when we hear the shame and the blame and the judgment in the parables, the invitation is to find the light. Not to feel judged, not to feel worried, but to see one another and love one another. Thomas Merton, who's a he was a Catholic monk who I really appreciate, lived a life of simplicity and lived in solitude. And um, during the civil rights movement, Thomas Merton didn't participate in the way that he would have liked to. And he wrote this memoir called Conjectures of a Guilty Bystander. Um, And he talks about the things that he wishes he would have done. He just, it's basically his journal and he shares about his life with Jesus and his life serving his community and his uncertainty about what's happening in the world and how to engage. And his journal is basically like a prayer um, that asks God to be with him even though maybe he forgot to bring some extra oil. In another book that he wrote, he writes about holiness, which is like a whole other topic that's hard for some people and really exciting for other people. I like it a lot, and if you're confused, we can talk about it later. Um, But Thomas Merton says, if we are called to holiness of life, and if holiness is beyond our natural power to achieve, which it certainly is, then it follows that God must give us the light, the strength, and the courage to fulfill the tasks required of us. God will certainly give us the grace we need. Amen? And then he says, if we do not become saints, it is is because we do not avail ourselves to God's gift, which means that we don't take the gift that is offered to us. And again, that's not to shame us, but to recognize that there are gifts that God is waiting to give us and that God is eager to give us and that are ready for us to receive. Today's invitation is to be open to the gifts of God for the people of God. And every Sunday we talk about the gifts of God for the people of God here on this table. Many of our members are away, offering public lament at Atalanto, letting their light shine in a particular way. Today, we are invited to let our lights shine as well. This story is not about what has already happened, but it is an invitation to imagine a future where we celebrate God with us, a wedding that all are invited to and all bring their light to. The good news for us today is that we are invited to the table where there is always enough for everyone. We don't have to be afraid of scarcity, and it's okay to share. Even though Jesus knew that he would be betrayed, not just by one, but by all of his followers, he still offered them bread and wine and a ritual for them and for us to remember his moments of grace and forgiveness and love. So last week our table had some special additions. I don't know if you remember, for those of you who are here. Um, Tiff and Ben could have chosen a different table to tell their stories on, but they chose this table to move things around on and to open up the parables on, which was a bold move. (laughs) They chose the Eucharist table to tell their stories in the parables of Jesus. And so it's a reminder for me this week To remember those stories and today's story on this table. To remember that all of these parables happen within the context of Eucharist. Thanksgiving, our life together, communion, and our following Jesus wherever he goes. Jesus goes to the cross and this table represents the cross. We have Jesus on it so we don't forget but it's at the center of our worship. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the space we worship in is like a cross. It goes this way and it has a cross. The transepts are like the arms of the cross that Jesus was on. And so we have this table in the very center of our worship so that we don't forget. On the table, we have water, usually, that reminds us of our baptism. So if you've been baptized, you know that your life and you're going down into the water into the death of Jesus and coming up in the resurrection that's represented here on this table and we have oil oil that reminds us about keeping lamps lit it's if you smell it it's a fragrant offering just like the oil at the blessings that the people of Israel would use it's an extravagant offering to Jesus, and it's a hope and a prayer and a reminder that we too will die. So as Jesus, on his last, on his last day before his, his death with his believers, he took bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup, the wine, we have very sweet, non-alcoholic wine, and he took it and he blessed it and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And it is in this bread and in this cup that we remember the life, death, and resurrection, the humility, the forgiveness, and the unconditional love of God, who became the human one, who died and rose again because he loves us.